Welcome to the ARPA Animal Rescue of the Week podcast, featuring outstanding organizations around the country that are helping animals and the people who rescue them. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal rescue. The Yaki Animal Rescue is a no-kill, nonprofit organization located on an 80-acre ranch in South Texas. In addition to being an animal rescue, they also provide sanctuary for various types of animals. They currently have over 250 animals in their care today, and Yaki is one of the few rescues in that area that not only take in domestic animals like cats and dogs, but they also help rescue livestock as well. In visiting the ranch, you can expect to be greeted by horses, cows, donkeys, chickens, ducks, and even pigs. Hey, Esmer, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I am super excited that you were able to join us today, and I'm really excited to learn more, a little a little bit more about your, your organization. So why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about Yaki and maybe some of the history and where you guys are located and how you got involved with them. Okay, thank you. Um, well, the Yaki Animal Rescue is an all-animal rescue, no-kill, nonprofit. We are located in Sullivan City, Texas, which is in Hidalgo County in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, we are minutes from Mexico, so that's how south we are, down south we are. Um, it's a very small town. It's mostly um, a low-income area. Um, so what we do is, is we really just try to help the animals. We have a huge population of um, strays and homeless animals. And so we're doing our part to try to save as many as we can and get them into forever loving homes. Yeah, I love that. So you guys are actually a sanctuary as well. So you have animals on location with you. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? What kind of animals uh, are you helping? I know it's companion animals, but I think you have a, a couple others as well. Uh, and how you guys, uh, how Yaki came to be? Yes, so we are a sanctuary as well as um, an animal rescue. and We put animals for adoption. But what makes us different is that we are an all-animal rescue. So not just cats and dogs, not domestic animals. We also have pigs, we have horses, rabbits, chickens, ducks, turkeys. It's a, it's a pretty awesome place. A lot of our animals are considered sanctuary animals. For whatever reason, they're not adoptable, and that is fine. They can stay with us as long as needed. They can live out their lives with us with no risk of um, euthanasia or, or having to send them off somewhere. So it is um, a very happy place for, for the animals that we're able to take in. You know, it's always one thing to take in companion animals, um, but I think you need right? If you're going to do pigs and horses and and that kind of thing, you definitely need this space. How big are you guys? We are on an 80 acre ranch. You said you're minutes away from Mexico. So I think, you know, when I, when I hear that first off, I didn't realize how far south you guys were until I started kind of doing a little bit more research. And so that has to bring some of its own challenges being so close to the border. Um, what, do you notice in your community or why do you think you have some of the challenges that you have in the community with the animals? I think lack of education is is the main thing. Lack of education on proper um, animal care or pet care 
people here, um, and not everyone, but a lot of them, they, they see their, their pets as property. They get a dog to be a guard dog, to, to tie them out, up outside and just you know, bark when needed. Some of them get them for their properties, for a junkyard. It's a guard for their junkyard. Um, and that's just, unfortunately, that's just how they see them down here. It's a problem that, that, um, that we come across. Um, a lot of our animals that we, that we rescue came from situations like that where they just were not being cared for properly. Actually, as you were talking about that, you know, the question that came to mind is, how do you receive most of your animals? It is a little bit of everything. We do have owner surrenders. We have people calling in to surrender an animal because the animal has a rash, you know? So instead of taking their dog or cat to the vet, they call us and they say, you know, my dog has mange and I don't know what to do and I don't have money and can you pick up my dog? Or, um, you know, they they don't spay and eater. They don't, that's another, you know, uh, lack of education on, on that matter. Um, they do not believe in spay and neuter or they just, it's not something that they think their dog needs or their cat needs. And they just, since they have them outdoor, they let them breed. And then they have these puppies. They don't know what to do with the puppies. And that's when they call us and say, you know, we have these puppies. We don't want them. Can you pick them up? Um, there are also strays. You know, maybe those same puppies that were, that were born and, and just have always lived, lived out in the streets. And we come across them because they were hit by a car. Um, so it's a little bit of everything. Unfortunately, a lot of owner surrenders, animals that we, we pick up as strays, people that call us to say, you know, I came across this animal. It's very, uh, I can't say if it's one, it's more one than the other. It's yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah, that, that has to make it kind of hard to solve a problem when there's so many of them out there, right? It's it, like you said, it's not just one. Um, you know, one means that you can focus on that specific issue. But I think with all of those, you know, different scenarios, it, that must be difficult. So how do you go about, you know, educating the public on so many, on so many areas? Is that something that you guys find yourself trying to do? Or is it just more concentrated on, on helping the animals? We are actually starting to help the community a little more in that sense. Um, a lot of them, they mean well. A lot of these people mean well and they'll reach out to us because they don't know what to do or maybe they don't have the means to help their pet, but they do love their pet. So um, a lot of times we help people to keep their pets. So if it's something that we're able to help with, whether it's, it's food or medication, um, you know, we'll say, you know, that's just what's keeping you from from keeping your pet instead of surrendering them, then we'll try to help. We've done spay and neuters as well. Um, we do the um, trap and release for for feral cats. Um, so just in, in a way to help the community in that sense, and also because um, you know we're unable to take in every animal as a non as a no kill and a sanctuary. We're very limited to how many animals we can house. So if we're able to help people keep their pets, then um, we do. We'll do that. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important, right? Because it, you're kind of, so, you're helping them solve the 
the problem at hand, which is the key, right? Um, Sometimes it's almost too easy, um, you know, depending on the community, sometimes it's too easy to just own or surrender, right? You can just hand them over and, and walk away. And I think it does take a level of commitment from from the owners um, to want to ask for help. And that's hard to do, right? It's not easy to ask for help in, in tough situations. So I do like that you guys are starting that process and you're willing to work with them uh, if they're, you know, if they're dedicated to keeping their animals, I think that's huge. Um, on the flip side, keeping an animal that maybe isn't necessarily in a good environment, I think is really important. So I love the fact that you guys kind of do both, right? You take in the owner surrenders, maybe some of the, the more severe cases. And and on the other hand, you work with the community when they're needed. So I think that's really cool. Yes. And it actually brings um, an, up another topic, uh, spay and neuter. You know, we that's something that we're working on. It's one of our main goals. Um, after being around for about five years, going on six years, um, we realized that that's probably the solution or the route to go. Um, spay and neuter, a lot of this can be prevented with just spay and neuter. So it's, it's something we're working on, whether it's like a mobile clinic or a clinic at our rescue ranch um, to provide um, low-cost services or free services for the community because it is a low-income area, so if we sure. can if we can help people in that way to stop the the overbreeding or the overpopulation, um, you know we can because we just you know we can't take them all in, we can't send them all off. Um, you know we there aren't enough homes for all these homeless animals. So if we can start um, start with the spay and neuter and and cut down on that, I feel like that would be the biggest impact. On, on this problem that we have. Yeah, I agree. So do you guys have a vet on site or do you work mm. with somebody in the community? Tell us what that looks like. No, unfortunately we do not. We do not have a vet on staff. Um, we do have some vets that, that we work with that, that help us out. Um, but no, we, we, go, we take our animals to a vet. Um, sometimes we have to drive a little further to go to a vet that doesn't charge us as much. But um, that would be our goal, to have a vet come in and, and donate their time. And, you know, if we have it all set up for them and they just have to come in and, and uh, you know, take care of these animals for us, that would be great. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother challenge, right, for your organization. Um, it's good that you're working with partners, but I agree with you. Anytime you can, you can have the help on site that's really beneficial and that will help lower your cost right and and lower the cost to the community who's coming to you for help for sure so i definitely look forward to seeing how that um how that works for you guys now i know you're in a really small town and you were telling me i think it's san antonio that's closest to you yes and san antonio is about four hours away yeah, so you guys are are pretty secluded. So I have to imagine that your resources are are pretty thin and pretty limited. Um, how do you guys work? A, how 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 does that work for you? We just we depend on donations, and it's it's the community support. We don't get government help. Um, we don't really get um, grants. So everything comes from the community, whether they donate five dollars or or a hundred or, you know, the few that are able to donate a thousand or more. Um, but every dollar counts. And we're so grateful for, for every amount that we get. We, 
we just would not be able to do it without the community support and not just locally, but, um, you know, everyone from, from other counties, other states, you know, we do have, um, people from Mexico who, who donate to us. So, um, yeah, definitely with the community support, we just, uh, would not be able to do this. So you mentioned getting support from Mexico as well. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you guys and maybe some specific challenges? Um, Because I know you mentioned, obviously, you're closer to Mexico than the biggest U.S. city. Um, So do you do you see do you receive animals from Mexico? and, And what are those partnerships like if you have any? Well, we have actually helped out um stray dogs in Mexico. We we will get calls or messages from people saying that they went to Mexico and they saw stray animals that need help. And so we've actually sent over food for them. Um we can't bring them over, unfortunately, but um we there's a group of people that do go out there regularly and take food or take supplies and work with um rescuers on that side so again you know you're trying to help your community but but here you are trying to help those outside of your community as well which probably stretches you guys that much thinner um but i love the the empathy that you have you know for those outside of of your community now i know that we kind of talked about the distance is is a challenge for you um and taking animals to the vet and things of that nature how do you guys, how do you do that with all of the animals that you have? By the way, how many animals do you have at the sanctuary on any given day? We have over 250 animals, and that includes close to 80 dogs, about 60 cats. We have um, the pigs, we have horses, chickens, ducks, rabbits, plus animals that all of us have at home. You know, I, I foster rabbits. Um, the founder of the rescue fosters a lot of the special need dogs. Um, all of us take some home, you know, other, other, uh, staff members have cats and dogs at, at their homes only because we don't have the space at the ranch, you know? Yeah. But again, because we're a no kill rescue, you know, unfortunately we've had some, some dogs for five years, you know, we have dogs that first certain reasons, you know, maybe they have behavioral problems, um, or they might be dog aggressive. We won't euthanize them. We will keep them as long as needed. Um, but they keep, they're not adoptable. So they will live out their lives there. And unfortunately they're holding up a kennel, you know, a kennel that could be used to take in another dog. So, you know, one of us will step up to foster. Uh, we will put it out there that we need fosters. And I think that's how we can save more animals is if, if we had more fosters, um, the community's help and support is everything to us. So we're always thankful for, for people who step up and help out. And of course, we take care of everything that's needed, food, vet care. Um, even if they cannot take the pet to the vet, you know, we'll, we'll coordinate and pick them up, take them to the vet, take them back. We do provide everything. We make it very easy for them to just um, just, just to provide the home for the meantime, until we can either make room or find them their forever home. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the foster program for a little bit. What does that look like for you guys? Um, as far as how many do you how many foster homes do you currently have? Um, you know, you say you're always looking for more. 
uh, more volunteers to kind of help out with that. So what does that foster program look like for you guys right now? We don't have as many as we would like. We're, we're very thankful for the few that we have. Um, we could always use more. A lot of our fosters um, end up adopting the, the dog or cat that they're, we love those, the foster yeah. failures or foster fail. Those are our favorite. So that kind of reduces our, our number of foster homes because they end up keeping, keeping the pet, which is great for that pet. But yeah. um, we definitely could use more fosters. So if anybody out there is looking for a way to help, right, definitely reach out to you guys. And and I'm assuming with 80 dogs and 60 cats, there's a lot of potential and different kinds of dogs and different temperaments. Um, so I have to believe that, you know, if you're not a dog person, there's there's cats. And like you said, you foster rabbits. So it sounds like there's a lot of uh, options for those that, you know, if they have the space and the time for animals, they should definitely reach out and see how they can help. Yes, definitely. We have all kinds of animals. I mean, even the horses, you know, we, if they would like to foster a home and we've had people reach out and say, I have, you know, so much land and, um, I would love to have a horse here. Maybe they can't commit to adopting just yet, or they want to see first if it's something that they can do. And, and they, they say, you know, we'll provide the feed for them. And we have the space, um, and the shelter, so yeah, even a horse. So they're, you know, they can foster a dog, a cat, a rabbit, you know, a, a horse. You know, you mentioned the horses. Do you have a lot of land in the area where people, where that might be an option for them? Because I, yes. I don't know. I mean, I live in a pretty urban area. Um, and so I don't know that would be a first thought for me, but you're in an area where people have lots of land typically? Yes. Well, we're in Texas. So yeah, a lot of people here just... <laughs> They do. They have a lot of a lot of land, a lot of ranches down here, and it's just it's a way of life, you know. It's sure. Yeah, I think everyone, if either they have um, livestock or they have a family member with livestock, everyone here grows up um, being surrounded with with goats or horses or pigs, which is why um, you know sometimes we we come across these animals that need rescue because. Um, you know, people have them, whether they get them as pets or, or they want, they want them for their land and then they just don't know how to care for them or they change their mind. And then, you know, that's, that's when we get the call. Yeah, definitely. Like I said before, I mean, the challenges that you guys have are, I mean, there's just so many that it's hard to focus on, on one particular piece of it. But I think what you guys are doing is is opening the door for dialogue and asking questions um, and supporting those people in your community. So I think that's, you know, that's really key is, is to keep focusing on that piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, you know, before we get too far, I usually ask the question at the at the end, but I'm always curious on stories that impact you, right? Either when you're having a really hard day and you need to be reminded why you're doing this, or just one story that sticks out for you. It can be happy or sad or, you know, I don't, but do you have a story in your time in animal rescue that kind of stands out to you that you'd like to share? Um, I have to tell you about Wilbur, our pig Wilbur. He is so awesome. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's so great. So his owner reached out to us and said that he was getting a little big and her neighbors were complaining because he was going into their garden and 
and digging up their their lawn. And so she asked if we would we would take him in, and she said she would provide for his care. And so yeah, we did. We we had the space. We took him in, and oh my goodness, this pig! He came in. He had just been groomed. He had little bows in his hair, so clean. <laughs> And such a silly little character, and um, you know now he's he's gotten a lot bigger, and he has such a personality. He knows his name. You call his name, and he'll come to you. He loves to be scratched behind his ear. Um, and one thing that he loves is tacos. So every time, <laughs> every time that his mom comes to visit him, uh, she brings him tacos, his favorite. Um, but she's, she's been great as well. She, she provides for his, his feed. Um, you know, we, we built a little shelter for him. She, she paid for that. We've had other pigs that have come in and, um, she's helped with their expenses as well. You know, if it's, if it's going to be a little, um, companion for Wilbur, then she'll pay for the neuter. For example, one of our pigs, she paid for his neuter. So things like that. It's not always um, a sad situation. In this case, she just was was unable to keep him at her home. But uh, Wilbur's so loved and one of one of the favorites at the Yaki Ranch. I love that. So when people come out to volunteer and kind of help out, they can they can bring Wilbur tacos. Yes, <laughs> he loves tacos. <laughs> Any kind of specific tacos or just um, breakfast tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Even more interesting. Yes. Um, I I don't even know what to say to that. I think that's a really cute story, and hopefully Wilbur can can help in bringing some volunteers out. Well, going back to horses, there was um there was a baby, a baby horse who uh, had gotten caught in barbed wire. He had been there for a few days, and his mom, his mom left, never left his side. And the owner, when he found them, he said, well, this, this horse is useless. Like I I can't care for this horse. I can't, um, I can't treat this horse and there's nothing I can do for it. So the the owner was going to shoot the baby. And we heard about this and we went over and we just were like, we can't, we can't allow this to happen. So, um, the founder of the rescue, uh, offered the man money for the mama because she would not leave his his side, the baby side. And so she ended up buying the mama, took the baby, treated the baby, and the baby actually grew up and lived many years at the Yaki Ranch along along with his mother. His his leg was never okay. You know, it it got better, but it was never a hundred percent. And he but he did live with us for a few years, happily free with so much land with his mom. Unfortunately, he did later sustain an, an injury that, um, you know, we just, there was nothing we could do for him and he had to be humanely euthanized. But uh, yeah. just the thought of that, you know, this, this man just went out there and said, this horse is useless to me and he was going to shoot the, the baby. And yeah. we just, we couldn't, we couldn't allow that to happen and we just couldn't believe it. And so um, instead of him doing the right thing, you know, we had to, pay him to let us take the mom, you know, as well. But at the end of the day, people somehow find a way to do what they think is best. In this case, you know, I'm sure the money that that was paid up front for the mom was not in the budget, right? Right. Um, And I'm sure that put a strain on you guys, not only to purchase her, right, but 
to have to feed not just one, but two more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a huge strain, but I love that somehow you guys made that work. Um, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, right? Those are the, those are the, not only happy for the animals, but I love the, the human piece of that. Definitely. Um, and that's something that the Yaki Animal Rescue really stands for is if we can save them, if, if there's something that we can do, we will do it. If we can't afford it, we will find a way. And that's where the community comes in. And they're always so great. You know, we can always count on them. And when we put a plea out there, we need donations for a certain situation or a certain animal because it's not something that's in our budget or that we were counting on. But we want to save this animal. Um, the community has always been great with, with helping us out. Um, but yeah, we'll do it. I mean, anything that the, if we are committed, if we're committing to this animal, then we commit a hundred percent, whether it's, um, an amputation or a treatment, you know, a lot of our dogs down here, um, that we rescue have tick diseases and heartworms. Um, and again, this goes back to people just not knowing how to properly care for the pets. They don't believe in, in heartworm prevention or flea and tick prevention. They don't, uh, they don't vaccinate. So we see a lot of parvo, a lot of distemper, a lot of diseases that you wouldn't see in other places. But we'll do it. If, if there's something that our, our rescued animal needs, we will do it. We commit. If, if one vet says there's nothing you can do, we go to another vet. We get a second opinion. Um, so that is always our last option. If, if we can save an animal, we will save the animal. You know, I don't know how many people actually go for a second opinion, right, um, to a vet. And so we do that as humans. And I think that that's, I don't know that I would say it's unique, but it's definitely different, right? I've never heard of that. Um, You know, we put a lot of stock in our lives, right? But sometimes I think we don't think about animals that way. We take the first opinion that's given to us. So I love that you don't give up uh, on the first no. Um, And it would be so easy, especially on a financial standpoint it would be so easy to, to just do that but but no especially if if they've come from a a bad situation all we want is to make things better for them make life better for them and we will do it i love that commitment you know i was browsing the website earlier and you guys have some really outstanding volunteers and some wonderful feedback um so i definitely encourage people to check you guys out and reach out if they can you know, foster or donate. It's not always about money. Um, you know, it's about time. And, you know, with that many animals and that much land, I have to believe you guys need some hands-on volunteers. Why don't you tell us a little bit where people can help you at um, on site? Yes, definitely need volunteers always. And like you said, it's not always about the money. Um, maybe, if, you know, if someone can't donate money, but they can donate their time if they couldn't go out there and help us bathe some dogs. Or if you have, um, let's say you fixed your your fence at home and you have leftover supplies, you have wood, screws or metal sheets or or an extra dog house or something, you know, bring it over. If you know how to build things, help us build um, dog houses or help us fix our kennels so that we can better house these dogs that we have um an enclosure for our cats you know because we also we have this barn for our cats um 
And as a no-kill, we, you know, we have come across some cats that have leukemia and AIDS, and, and we had to build a separate enclosure for them, you know. And other, other organizations might say, well, we don't have a place to keep them, or um, this can't be treated, or they can uh, get other, the healthy ones sick. So what we did is we just, we built a separate enclosure. Now we went from having one, our first positive cat, to having five. But that needs to be expanded. So if you can help us expand our, our enclosure for the leukemia positive cats, that would be great. Um, help us build a little pond for our ducks because they love water and, and we could definitely use a pond. Um, yeah, come out and just help us out at the ranch. And it's just, it's so wonderful to go out there. Um, and I can't stress that enough because I can tell you how amazing it is, but there's nothing like being there you know you drive in and you see the horses and and if you stop your car they're expecting treats so you make sure (laughs) make sure you have carrots or apples with you because they will come to your vehicle and they expect something same thing with our pigs they're like dogs it's just it's amazing to me I, i love them so much but yeah they come out they love to have their ears scratched they love treats they love belly rubs they're playful you know, um, our chickens are, are happy and free. Our ducks are happy and free. We have a turkey that's that's mean. He's not very nice. He's a little bully. But he's happy and, and free there. And our dogs are happy. Our cats have what some people call the Ritz. It's, it's this huge barn that we converted into the big cat house. And they get to go up a loft. They get to go outside. And... It's just so amazing and there's nothing like seeing it in person and, and you just leave their feelings so great. And, you know, people always think that when you visit um, an animal shelter or rescue, you're going to be depressed. They always say that, oh, I'm just, I don't want to leave sad or I'm going to want to take them all. And I promise you that they are happy animals or our guys that we have there working there. They, they love what they do. They love the animals and they're so, they, they're so invested in them as well. Um, so it's always clean. The animals are very happy. They're very loved. You can ask anyone that works there about a certain cat or dog, and they will tell you their personality. They will tell you what they like and what they don't like. Um, so, yeah, just come out and visit. Come out and volunteer if you can. Bring over some supplies if you have some available. I love the last two minutes of that conversation, because I could just tell how passionate and and happy that that made you. Um, and it made me smile, right? Just hearing you talk about how how great of a place this this organization is and and how you can use the help and and how people can can just jump in. I mean, it sounds like you're just looking for any little bit to help. And I think that's important because I think people, think that there's expectations in how much or how often they can help. And that didn't come across to me in this. It came across as any tiny little bit that you can help. You even mentioned screws. Like, Mm -hmm. I personally would not think I'm going to donate screws, right? But the fact that those tiny things are so important and so valuable to you, I think is key. So I appreciate all of the different ways that 
that you shared that people can can help. And I certainly hope this this podcast reaches people and you guys do get more volunteers and, and more supplies. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate. We do, we do, but we appreciate all the help we can get. You know, big or small, um, like I said, it doesn't have to be money. It can be your time. Just donate your time. Some people say, you know, I have this extra litter. My cat didn't like this litter. And it's just, you know, one box of litter. But hey, we can use it. Donate it. Um, same thing with food. You know, some some dogs, they just didn't like their food. And it's just sitting there. And you don't let it go, go to waste. You can donate that. Yeah, those are good reminders. Yeah, so definitely anything and everything. Your time. Um, if you can give a monetary donation. If you would, if you feel more comfortable calling it, calling in directly to our vet, you know, and, and put that towards an animal in need or, or, or balance, um, anything, anything, yeah. but especially your time. If you can just come out and help out, spend some time with our dogs. We have 80 dogs, you know, we, they don't get the one-on-one that they need, um, and that they want. So if you can come out and walk some dogs. Um, give them some love, give them a bath. You know, we, they would love that. We would love it, but they especially would, would love that. That's definitely a, a, a great message. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of what the future looks like for you guys. I know you have an event coming up um, in April, I believe, right? It's a, a golf outing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and how people can find out more? Yes. Um, so this is our fourth golf tournament that we're going to be hosting. Um, actually, it's our third, sorry. Um, it's on April 29th, and um, it's our biggest fundraiser of the year. It's just a, a fun day, you know, take the day, hang out with your friends, play some golf. It's all for a good cause. There are lots of prizes, but most importantly, um, all the money raised goes to helping us care for our animals. That's great. And can they find that information on your website or in your social media platforms? How can people find out more about that? Yes, they can find that information on our social media, um, as well as our our webpage. We'll be posting everything on there. Great. So, Esmer, I've really enjoyed my my time chatting with you, and I've I've learned quite a bit. Um, as we wrap things up, is there anything else that that we missed that you want to share? Um, what I would like to add is just to everyone and anyone who's listening. Please support your local animal rescues and shelters, the ones in your community. Um, They need your help. Um, It it truly takes a village uh, to to do what what we do. Um, It takes everyone's help. Everyone has a part in it. So so please help your your local um, animal rescue, animal shelter, and adopt, don't shop. I love that. Great way to end the conversation, Esmer, and thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll be following your progress. Thank you so much. We really appreciate this. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.